Yes, hello and welcome to the FPS Review um, podcast or video cast or fireside chat or whatever we're going to end up calling it. Uh, <laughs> today, I'm David Schroth. I guess I'm your host, and um, we're going to step through some of the reviews we did over the course of the past week, as well as the biggest news um, that we've seen that's been most popular and everyone's been talking about. Um, so we have here today, um, I'll let them introduce themselves one at a time. Um, we've got, uh, who goes first? I guess Dan. Um, say Hi. <laughs> Hey. All right. Uh, Paul, say hi. <laughs> Hello. And Leroy. <laughs> How's it going? Go, going well. Um, so, so just quick background for those of you who don't, don't know us. Um, Dan reviews motherboards and CPUs as they come in for us. Um, Paul um, blows up power supplies. And, uh, and Leroy is getting started with us doing cases. And you'll see me kind of mopping up um, pretty much anything else that other folks haven't done yet. Um, so uh, let's start stepping through. Um, let's kind of hit the first thing. Um, is one of our reviews this week that Dan finished up on... Um, the Asus Tough Gaming X570 Plus Wi-Fi motherboard. Um, I guess Dan, can you tell us, kind of give us a quick uh, twenty-five cent tour of uh, what the board is about, what it has, and um, your general thoughts? Yeah, well, my first thought is the name sucks. <laughs> These names are just—they've gotten out of hand with how long they are, but. Um, so, you know, just to interject, I mean, I, I've, I did video reviews a long, or video card reviews a long time ago, even dating back, you know, eight to 10 years ago, video card names were probably three times that length. So it's like, we, well, the motherboard names have just kind of recently in the last few years have started getting that bad because, man, I remember like with the Asus ones, you know, they used to be like, you know, P4C 800 Deluxe. And there was actually something that P4C 800, you could decode that. Right. And that would tell you what processor it was for, you know, what bus speed it supported and, and, and you know, the the deluxe or whatever at the end told you kind of what level board it was. And now they want to make every board sound like it's awesome or something special. And so they put, you know, five freaking names on it. And you're just like, well, whatever. I don't even know what any of this is relative to the rest of the line. I mean, if you kind of look at them long enough, I guess you will sort of figure it out. But um that takes right. a bit but longer because longer they were but yeah just figured i'd throw that in where it's yeah it's like, no. you know there's been i've seen longer video card names for a long time yeah yeah so anyway, fair, carry on sorry to interrupt to be fair though no, with no. video card names it's like uh it's more like the guys pat you know were up too late at night passed out on a keyboard woke up the next morning and had just a long string of stuff out there they just said good enough you know yeah, ship it um yeah i actually um you know, one of the things about the trade shows and, and various press events is when you go to those, you know, you sit around with the, you know, the different vendors and you and you talk. And I've been fortunate enough to do, you know, to have been involved in, in a few of those over the years. And I want to say it was MSI that was telling me this, uh, but they were talking about how um, somebody like super high up in the company is just like, we're going to call that the Designare series. And no one got to say, he's just like, this is what it's going to be. That's it. And just kind of walked away and left it there. Um, you know, stuff like that. But anyway, um, this particular board, it, the Asus Tough Gaming X570 Plus Wi-Fi, um, the, the Tough Series, you know, it used to be something else. It, it used to be kind of 
in parallel to the Republic of Gamers or ROG series, and now it's kind of its own thing. It wasn't even a, a gaming brand until recently, so that was something they changed. But uh, anyway, the, the tough gaming stuff is generally um, kind of the... I wouldn't say it's it's exactly entry level, but it's kind of close to that. I mean, this board's uh, I think just a little under two hundred dollars. So for X five seventy, it is it is a budget offering. Um, so you know, going over kind of its basic feature set, you don't have a whole lot that doesn't come integrated into the chipset, right? Um, the NIC is by Realtek, so you know it's cost cutting measure there. Um, this one doesn't have like fancy steel reinforcement brackets over the memory slots or all the expansions or anything like that. Um, it's a six layer PCB. Uh, the VRM is a pretty basic one. Um, and really my only problem with the board is it's VRM. I mean, for the price point, you know, I'm not a fan of real techniques, but it worked right in testing. It wasn't a problem. It, it did everything it was supposed to do. And, you know, when you buy a $200 board, you can't expect to get like a, you know, an, an Intel, you know, I225V or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> so the NIC is fine for the price point um, and all of that. Um, but, you know, they do cut a few corners to get the board a little bit cheaper. And um, like I said, it worked very well in testing, but if I had to complain about anything, it would be the VRMs. Pub, pub quiz on that. I know there was one other board that you reviewed a few months back. It was a Gigabyte X570 board that was in a similar price bracket to it. The um, Gaming X. Yeah, the, yeah, the Giga X570. I think I've got a, I was right over, no, it's in a box over there. Uh, so yeah, review that. So how does this one compare as far as what it actually provides to that, that Gigabyte board that you looked at a couple months back? Um, the gigabyte board, I believe is a little bit cheaper. Um, but feature wise, they're pretty comparable. I mean, I, I haven't looked, I mean, I've looked at several boards since then, so I don't remember all the, the gory details on it. But as I remember that one was, I want to say that one it's 169 or 189, depending on whether or not you get Wi-Fi with it. And I think we got the Wi-Fi version. I thought I paid about 150 or 160 for it. Um, but that I know prices have gone up since then. Well, yeah, that, that could be. I just remember kind of what it was, you know, when I put the price in, when I talked about it in the article. Uh, but they're very comparable. Um, I think Asus has a better uh, UEFI. Their BIOS interface is just way better. Um, Asus, I think, has the most intuitive and user-friendly, um, you know, BIOS that there is right now. Um if you look at it, it, it's kind of structured like the old BIOS was, and, and you know, Gigabyte kind of does the same thing now. But um, when you look at it, it just kind of makes sense. You know, when you're going through the categories, you know, at the top, you know, you kind of work left to right as you're setting up the system or you're configuring your options. You know, you start with the time and date kind of stuff on the main tab then you hit the ai tweaker and you can set your you know turn on xmp or whatever in this case the docp stuff which is still xmp really but it, it's kind of what asus calls the amd version of it um and then you know you can step through your voltages your memory timings all that stuff and then you know advanced gives you your um your drive setup your onboard peripheral controls and then you know, monitoring, you can enable or disable things. Uh, one thing that ASUS boards do that drives me nuts 
is uh, you have to go in and tell them to if you're if you're water cooling with them, which all the ones on the test bench get water cooled, um, you know, so that some heat sink and fan isn't the bottleneck when we're trying to push these boards and, and overclock them. Um, but on the Asus ones, you have to go in and you have to tell them to ignore the CPU fan or lack of a CPU fan. Otherwise, the things will not boot. And they're the only ones that do that. The other ones I can just hit like F1 or F2 and it just skips right past it. But the Asus ones, you have to go in there and manually tell it to ignore that. And that's always driven me nuts about them. Um, but otherwise, you know, the built-in tools, the layout of the BIOS kind of, I mean, aesthetically, it's maybe not the prettiest one. But, you know, they've, that's one thing I'd say that it definitely has over the Gigabyte board. Um, as for its, its kind of cost, um, I'd have to really go back and look at the, the Gigabyte one. But it tends to be that you spend a little bit more for Asus boards versus their competitors, be it MSI or Gigabyte. It's not usually a huge amount of money, but it's, you know, well, I guess at this price point it kind of is because it could be, you know, 20 or $30 in some cases. And, you know, if you're spending $160 on a board, you know, that's a significant chunk of, of that budget, I guess. So, um, but they have similar feature sets where they're, they're just a basic X570 implementation. You've only got a couple of M.2 slots. Um, I think uh, the Gigabyte, I think, had um, heat sinks for both of them, whereas the Asus doesn't. But I'm not 100% on that. I'd have to go back and look at it. Um, you know. so, so if you were to take one, so I guess to, to kind of wrap up and conclude on it, um, if you could take, I guess, would you take this board over the Gigabyte or is it kind of a, a half and half or which one would you prefer? Okay, I'm going to cheat and look at a picture of the Gigabyte real quick because uh, <laughs> I honestly don't, you know, I have so many of these things in my office and so many of them, you know, across the test bench that I honestly do not remember them all that well. I think next time we do this, uh, I, yeah, should, you're yeah. going to cross-examine me about them. I'll have to be better prepared for it. You know what it is, when it comes down to, I've had this one over the years talking to folks about just doing the job in general, is that you do see so much hardware that the things you remember are the things that were absolutely amazing to you and the absolute dumpster fires. Anything yeah. in between is sort of, um, it was there. One that you might have... Uh, have encountered more than others yeah. like um the uh the msi uh meg x570 godlike i can tell you all kinds of crap about it for a lot of reasons one it's the one that's in my system now but it's also one that we used uh we got it with the ryzen 3000 reviewers kit and we did i did all of our amd cpu reviews on it except for the ones that brent did um so I know that board backwards and forwards. I know all the stupid little, I mean, I remember all the things about the little cartoon ninjas that fight on the LCD screen and all that stuff. They're fighting the, the MSI dragon. I mean, stupid crap. I can remember about that board. Who was? Um, but the looking at the gigabyte though. Um, and I don't remember precisely what I said about it. It's, um, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is the 10 plus two phase. So, um, the VRM on the gigabyte is, um, I believe a little bit better uh, because the ASUS is the four phase versus like a five plus two setup. So the gigabyte one does employ doublers. So it's a better VRM. Um, so really if, if you're comparing the two, um, 
you get a nicer BIOS on the Asus. Um, but ultimately, I think the Gigabyte's actually the better one. Um, you still have the same kind of M.2 configuration. You only get the one heat sink. Um, but the Gigabyte gives you uh, six of the right-angled SATA ports, and you get some of the vertical ones on the Asus, and I hate those. I absolutely detest when they, you know, and if they did six, like, vertically, I probably wouldn't care, you know, because they'd all be the same, but that's kind of my personal OCD thing. I hate that crap. Um, but, yeah, between the two, I think the Gigabyte is a little bit cheaper, um, and it's the better value between the two of them, uh, certainly because the VRM is better. Um, like I said, I like the Asus BIOS a little bit better. Um and I want to say that the Gigabyte Gaming X had a slightly louder chipset fan, which I know is something that um, on our forums people, you know, ask me every single time, you know, you know, how noisy was the fan or did you notice it at all or, or God, I don't want to buy X570 because it has an active cooling solution because, you know, they, they think way back to, you know, when those things died like after three months, you know, back in the, you know, P4 days or whatever. And... You know, they're not like that, but I, I remember the Gigabyte being a little bit louder there, so I guess that's the one trade-off. Um, so, yeah, I'd have to go, you know, through each of the spec points. But for the most part, they both really only have what comes with a chipset plus a wireless adapter, um, which I'm not even sure if the one that we checked that out actually. Gigabyte had a wireless adapter. That's why it was 160, because it was the cheaper one. Yeah, there is a Wi-Fi option for it. So the Gigabyte is with the wireless. I remember being 189. So I guess they're they're kind of really pretty close on price. Um, but between the two, yeah, like I said, better VRMs. Um, I think the the layout is a little better for like the SATA ports and things like that. Uh, my money would be for the Gigabyte between the two. Um, but meanwhile, um, we, we got a whole bunch of news um, that's been hopping over the past week. Let's uh, let's switch gears and hit some of that. Um, I've kind of got uh, you know kind of a rundown, a few different tabs here um, covering the most popular or biggest news that we want to hit. I think the first one, I, I mean, this might be uh, you know we just get out our canes and start yelling, get off our lawn. But um, you know, essentially, you know, with Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which I, I like, I, I keep wanting to call it COD Four because that's really modern warfare and this is modern warfare and it's is it really i don't know anyway <laughs> aside from names because we, we you know get, are getting mixed up on that you need a full 250 gig ssd to fill the thing up um uh, you know uh, how that, that's well, kind after of big, formatting right? after formatting, well, formatting gig ssd right. isn't so yeah. it won't fit on a 250 i think is is what the the thing said because after formatting it's not quite 250 Right. Yeah. You end up formatting down down to what two uh two thirty something? Two thirty two. Two thirty eight or two thirty two yeah. or something. Yeah. So yeah, that's fabulous. So now we you know, not that I mean a two hundred and fifty gigabyte solid state drive these days in a gaming desktop is probably not something you're gonna have a lot of. You know, that's that's sort of laptop territory. But the fact of the matter is that we've hit two hundred and forty six gigabytes on a game which I'm not going to, I don't want to be mean, but I don't see 246 gigabytes worth of eye candy here. And no, I do not either. Uh, you know, fact, I, I just played it yesterday uh, for the first time in about two months, and it looked the exact same of two months ago when I played it. Like, I couldn't tell a difference. I mean, so, it's a good looking game, but. I mean, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It does look good, but. but it doesn't seem like there's enough. I mean, right. I, I don't play the, I haven't played a lot of the multiplayer, but I mean, I don't think there's that many maps. 
to gen- I mean, a single player story is fairly big, but um, in terms of assets and maps and all that crap, but I don't think there's that much multi. Like, I don't know how they hit that 246 gig. Um, I would really like a breakdown of the assets of uh, where all of that storage is going to in the game. You know, like what what is taking up all that all that space? Like, are they getting ready for 8K gaming and they have all those textures in there or something, and we just can't get to them yet? Well, no. Just to some to some extent, I think this is a the uh, software sort of implementation of uh, Parkinson's law. You know. Uh, the old work expands, to, uh, to, so it fills up all the time it's available. And so in this case, you know, the games are filling up to just, you know, build up the space that's available. It's like, hey, we got this space. We don't have to be any better at this. We don't. The code doesn't have to be any leaner. We don't have to, you know, optimize. We've got all this space. So just right. let it go. Well, yeah, and and the game is famous for having, you know, these monstrous, you know, multi-gig patches. Um, but I think. The thing is, people of kind of a lot, you know, especially younger people play Call of Duty a lot. And, you know, these guys that are in their late teens, early 20s, you know, they don't have the wealth of disposable income. So, I mean, this is probably actually a bigger deal to them than it is us. I mean, you know, for me, yeah, I would just go buy another, you know, two terabyte NVMe drive and not worry about it. But not everybody's like that. Yeah. Right, but I mean, at least like what I'm seeing with the the, the PCIe 4 drives is that they're really not making the 250 gig drives anymore. And then when we're looking at the PCIe 3 drives that are still around, it's maybe a $10 difference between the 250 and the 500. Well, so, uh, well your yeah. motherboards are coming with two and three slots, right? And those $100 um, inland drives at Micro Center that are one terabyte, I mean, not... It's a fairly cheap solution, really, but I, mean, I understand that not everybody can do that. But yeah, right. Yeah. But anyway, they can get off our lawns and um, let's move on to see. Um, so everyone <laughs> must know if it can play Crisis um, with the 3090. Uh, we still have. Uh, we're, we're still kind of refreshing because they're kind of rare as hen's teeth, as everybody knows. So we're still trying to find ours, so we can tell you whether it plays crisis or not but meanwhile someone installed crisis 3 on their 3090 not just you know on and played it but they you know created a ram drive on the video card memory then they installed the game to it and then they played the game and determined that it runs great uh what what do you guys think you know is i'm sure it does awesome that's great i mean come on i mean it's one of those things you do just because you can yeah it's ridiculous, but it's great. I and mean, why, why, you know, why, you know, it's one of those fabulous things. You know, why did why did you do that? Why, you know, why not? Why not? I, you I know. mean, obviously, it would probably run better on you know the system RAM, possibly. <laughs> well, yeah, a traditional RAM, uh, you know, RAM drive should run faster. Yeah, because if it's on the video card memory, it's still got to go through this the system memory and all that. So it's kind of like it's cool, but it's not necessarily the best way you could have done that. But you do get mad bragging rights for you know f- you know using about because according to my install file, it's almost 21 gig for Crisis by itself. So I mean the cards 
got enough VRAM to hold the entire game and still have enough video memory to execute the thing. Yeah. So mean, that's pretty damned impressive. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, you know, we, we, that's, that's, you know, we, we all come from a background working in this as a hobby kind of enthusiast thing. And we do, you know, why do we do any of the things we do? You know, the people be like, why do you do that? Why do you spend time overclocking that? Why do you do that? So it's the same thing, you know, somebody saw it. I was like, you know, well, what the hell? Why not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I yeah, guess no. gives you something to do. Right. All right. Um, I mean, at least, I mean, this guy probably can't fit Call of Duty Modern Warfare on his 3090, though. <laughs> <laughs> I would I'd be very, very <laughs> impressed with that. Well, uh, you, know, he, you know, if he could take the code bloat out and do that, now that would be, you know. <laughs> right. Of course. Um, so I guess let's hit some video card rumors. Um, this is all rumor mill stuff, um, you know, with respect to the upcoming uh, RTX 3070. Um, NVIDIA kind of waded into the ring. Now, of course, there's been leaks galore about where the 3070 performs and um you know i guess we've heard about at the 2080 ti level we have heard better than 2080 ti level i don't know has anybody heard worse or is it just either equal or above i think i have heard worse um but only in situations where the 2080 ti's extra vram comes into play Okay, and, so, and if you know if you haven't heard worse well, we'll just say worse now seeing how everybody's just making it up anyway <laughs> so. Good point. I mean, it's not like we, you know, anybody has any at this point to figure it out. I, yeah. So, yeah, but so, but NVIDIA wades into the ring and, and now they're saying that, well, actually it is, uh, what is the headline? So it's saying it actually beats the 2080 Ti. So they're saying it's better. Um, and they, <laughs> provide they, some, they provide some colorful graphs. Um, you know, as far as far as like relative performance goes, um, so these are always kind of fun to discern. Um, figure that it's like I kind of you know. Stare oh, at the I love, you know, I love their axes. Relative performance. Yeah, that. Uh, okay. Sense. We have our we have our unitless dimension here. Great. Right. So at least you know the 3070 is green and it's basically taller than the um, what is that? A very light gray 2080 Ti, and then the 2070 of course is kind of the baseline. Um, so it's basically saying is that much more awesome. Um, looks like it's being measured at 1440p. Um, you know, so you know, is it, basically it seems like this is going to be a fantastic 1440p card. If it is um, outperforming the 2080 Ti, you could probably run 4K pretty well on it. Um, at least in some games, we're not running into that VRAM limitation. Well, how much how much VRAM is on the 3070? I don't recall. I believe it's eight gigs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of, I think most games fit in that 8 gig frame buffer, you know, without too much trouble. I know Ghost Recon Breakpoint can can get right at about 7 gig um, at 4K, uh, maybe a little bit more on Ultimate. Um, but, I mean, it fits on the 2070, and I run it on the test bench, and it's fine. So, I don't know. Doesn't but like Red Dead Redemption get up there? Or two. Never played it. I don't know. Uh, we got to get Brent in here to tell us about that. Brent, Brent can weigh, weigh in far more. Yeah. Um, on those, we'll drag him in next time. But if you do run into the VRAM limitation, that might be what, that one case where the 2080 Ti might be slightly better. You know, because it does have 11 gigs of RAM or something versus the eight. Right. Abs absolutely. Um, 
And then I guess kind of the other 3070 news that was out there originally it was supposed to launch on um, the 15th of October. Um, that's been pushed back for two weeks to the 29th of October. Um, and I guess in theory, sometime between now and then, we're going to see some press benchmarks show up and people that actually have the cards and can see what they can actually do. Um, so once we get our hands on one, of course, we will publish uh, as quickly as possible and um, you know put a bunch of good stuff out there about the 3070 to help you figure out, um, well, should I upgrade my 2080 Ti to that, or if I can get a 3080 or 3090 and so on. Um, you so you can upgrade your finger to a box so you can buy one. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've clicked on this this uh, Best Buy Add to Cart because it's showing up as yellow and not, not the gray coming soon or sold out. I've clicked on it like 35 times while we've been talking, and it, it still won't add it to the cart. So, Yep. I guess I, well, I got to get back over there. 30 series availability, man. Yeah. I don't think availability is the term, but speaking of 30 series availability, the other rumor is that they're going to be adding some more uh, VRAM uh, <laughs> to the 3080 and 3070 to kind of buff it up. Um, now, rumors saying December is what we're hearing, um, which, you know, I guess I could make it an interesting competitor to Big Navi, which we don't know for sure what the specs are and we'll hit that one next as far as uh you know discussion points but it sounds like they already kind of have the ace in the sleeve and um they're going to push forward and run with this so are, are these I mean, going to be the uh ti models no well you don't think so? i don't know how they're going to distinguish the 20 from the uh what's, what's the regular one 10 i think they yes. might actually just use the me the the memory. I mean, we've seen it in the past where they've distinguished them simply by their 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 frame buffer size. Right. So it's a possibility. Um, I don't know. I mean, tinfoil hat me wants to say that you know they might call it a TI and like jack the clocks or something if Big Navi comes out and is too close to the 3080. But you know who knows? Nvidia is kind of they're shady like that. They like to pull that kind of crap, but. You know who knows yeah, and they both may remain on the market i mean when you go down into the 200 price point with the 1650 and the 5500 xt well both of those cards you can buy a four or an eight gig flavor um, of those cards um and basically that's really the only difference between them is the amount of vram that they have so we well, may have a similar situation here i imagine you know the bill of goods is going to be higher it's going to push pricing higher um but I think the thing that I'd be curious is whether they continue um, with the lower RAM ones or they just kind of drop those off and migrate only to selling the larger um, RAM amounts. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to say, but they might keep them both because the, you know, with having half as much RAM, the 3080 actually hits a pretty nice price point. I mean, 699 is really not bad for a 4k card like that i mean i paid for an aib 2080 ti i mean i think mine was like 1200 so you know getting you know better performance than that for you know 700 bucks is you know pretty good so i, I don't know right i mean the 699 price point is one that really hasn't seen any significant upward performance movement since what four and a half years ago or so with the launch of the 1080 yeah because the 2080 the regular 2080 came out and they were within the few percent of each other so it you know and i was a 1080 
uh, TI owner and the 2080 had zero appeal. I mean, cause it didn't seem like it was fast enough to do, you know, ray tracing, not, not really, except it may be 1080p. So, you know, the only upgrade was the $1,200 2080 TI. Mm -hmm. Right. Or you could SLI the 1080s, but that's a well, I did. story. Actually, right. I did have yeah, two did 1080s <laughs> and SLI and, um, that was horrible. I mean, I think I played two or three games that used it, but it, you know, wasn't the best thing on earth. Um, and I actually went to the 2080 Ti just to get away from SLI's BS because I was running a 4K display, and half the time, more than half the time, I was uh, stuck to using one 1080 Ti, and it wasn't enough. So I went with the 2080 Ti because it was the best you could do for 4K at the time. So. The 3080 at 700 bucks is, you know, I think they'll they, they'll probably keep it around because they'll sell the crap out of them. I mean, there'll be people like me that, you know, aren't going to want to, you know, because I want to do 4K and all that. So, you know, I'd want a 20 gig model, but there's going to be a lot of people that I think would be perfectly happy with 10 gig cards. Right. Makes sense. Um, all right. So next up, um, we have AMD had their big press release. Um, this was, was this just yesterday. Could have been yesterday. Uh, time flies. Yeah, so, so on the 8th, um, AMD announced um, their Zen 3 CPUs. Um, they've got a um, on-sale date of November 5th, um, and they laid out some pricing and basically what we're going to get. Um, I think kind of at a high level, they're saying we've got um, you know, three main chips coming through the 5950X, which is the 3950X replacement. Um, also, still 16 core, 32 threads. Um, boost clock is up to 4.9 gigahertz, which is um, higher than what we've seen out of them so far. Then the 5900X comes along, obviously 12 core, uh, 4.7 gigahertz boost clock, and the 5800X is the eight core replacement. Um, and then, uh, sorry, oh, the fourth one, the 5600X coming in with a six core. So um, we really kind of have four kind of covering the whole family. The only thing that I'm noticing that's a little bit lacking is that there's, well, I don't know, I guess I had some confusion between the 3700 and 3800X and that there was mostly no point in buying a 3800 because you can save 50 bucks and spend that on something else in your system. Or at that point, you might as well go to the 3900. Um, so it's almost like they're taking that one off the table and saying, well, here is your one eight core option. Well, I think people either bought the 3700X and saved themselves a bit of money and because you could overclock those pretty well. I mean, they were the 65 watt TDP chips. So, you know, they either ran, you know, cooler or you could overclock them. And so the 38 was kind of rendered not terribly relevant. And I think a lot of people that kind of were targeting the 3800, especially when the 39s have been out for a little while and you started seeing price breaks, they just bought 3900s. So, right, but even even at this price break, it's you know an MSRP is something that AMD has historically at least never, as long as I can remember, they've never stuck to it. But with, even with an MSRP of a hundred dollar difference at five forty nine versus four forty nine, it, it becomes a really hard for me to say recommend to a friend to get the fifty eight hundred and save a hundred bucks, because you might as well grab four more cores. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and of course, if you're lucky enough to have a micro center nearby. Uh, you could shave maybe 50 bucks off of that pretty quickly because they'll have them. They'll start doing price breaks on them before anybody else will. And Microsoft will have their bundles with their motherboard deals. Yeah, that's true too. If you're, if you buy a motherboard from them at the same time, you know, they knock like $40 off and 
Yeah, I was, you know, that's one of those things. Uh, you know, online selling is great. I don't like that. But man, I mean, for those people who have a micro center near them, fabulous place. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm like 20 minutes from it. And they know me pretty well up there because I'm always having to buy crap for the test bench or whatever. Yeah, they banned me returning stuff at one point because, uh, you know, <laughs> might have donated something in return to uh, a, uh, a dead uh, power supply or two to them. You know. So but I, my biggest thing with these is I'm hoping that, so I'm still running my two main systems are still on uh, Zen architecture. So I'm really hoping that I get uh, updates from my motherboard so I can move, so I can drop one of these in. Cause I'm, you know, in that mode of, I would like to keep my motherboard. I don't really want to go and swap out what I've got right now because uh, you know, it's getting towards Christmas time and I got one daughter who wants an awful lot. So I'm hoping that I get some motherboard support here so I can make my step up incremental. Right. It, it, it makes sense. So the the 5000 series, I think they're claiming, they're trying to claim some superiority in 1080p gaming. Um, and I don't know if you guys remember this part earlier this year, um, Intel was running a big uh, PR campaign about being kings of 1080p gaming. Um, oh, yeah. And then, you know, so they were doing that. So now AMD is has got this wonderful chart here that is declaring themselves the victor. Um, but that's always kind of been it's kind of been the soft spot. It's like if you're running pure gaming and you're going to run at 1080p, it's been hard to make the argument. And that's the only thing you ever want to do. It's hard to make the argument that AMD has been better, maybe until now. Well, no, even even at 4K and stuff like that, you know, the, a lot of the testing that I've done and. You know, it's in a bunch of the processor articles that I did. But um, a lot of times with the Intels, you would also get, like at 4K, you would get higher minimum frame rates in some games. Um, unless you were completely GPU limited, like um, Ghost Recon Breakpoint is entirely GPU limited. I mean, it's literally from the worst processor that I tested on the, the deal to the highest end one. It's a 3 FPS spread. Um but in like Destiny, when I tested that originally, um, the 9900Ks were pulling uh, 56 FPS minimum, and the Ryzens were coming up in the 20 or 30 FPS range. And they didn't hit it very often. I mean, when you looked at the you know the frame times and stuff, I mean, they, it was just kind of a blip. I mean, they didn't stay there or anything. Um, so it was kind of Intel's kind of had a I'm not going to say a stranglehold on gaming, but they had a, a definite advantage, whether you were at 1080p or 4K. But it was certainly a much bigger deal at 1080p. And for all the competitive players who were using 240 hertz displays, um, up even through now with like your 3950Xs in a lot of games, you're not going to be able to hit 200 plus FPS on an AMD CPU as consistently. So for AMD to now kind of really you know come out saying you know we've got we've got them beat and significantly that's actually pretty big if they manage to pull that off right it should certainly be interesting to see and of course intel tried to preempt this as well by announcing that early next year we're going to see um, i guess their 11 series uh, core chips even though I, I swear we just saw the 10 series come out a couple months ago well it did well <laughs> well you remember the i mean there, there was the 10 series for the the quote-unquote 10th gen was hedt first which is weird and then you know because that's kind of backwards from how they used to do it and then we just got the 10th uh gens you know because what was it the 10 900k review i did wasn't that long ago 
yeah. like maybe two months ago or something like that. So yeah. they're supposed to be bringing Rocket Lake in, you know, sometime in early 2021. Um, but it's still 14 nanometer. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But back in, yeah. Back in May, we did the 10900. So it's been five months. Amazing oh, okay. how time flies. Yeah. I was going to say, it doesn't feel like it. Oh, that's the COVID thing. Oh, that didn't change my life at all. I, I'm, I don't go out any more, any more or less than I used to. I was saying, actually, can we go back to the graph for a second, real quick? Yep, sure. This is Before we move on, can we all admire the unitless, dimensionless y-axis on this graph again? <laughs> it's percentages, think, clearly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I just I, I, marketing graphs are always great. I just I love the fact that none of them. Oh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I was looking at that thing and I was like five percent, just a little bit above, and the fifty percent one is like not even fifty percent higher than. Well, like, it's, like, it was weird. But one of the things that they did that they did say is they said that the Ryzen five thousand series had a uh, on average a nineteen percent single thread IPC improvement. Yeah, that I think is it's after thinking Photoshop. <laughs> well, yeah, probably, but you know, <laughs> but I mean, they clearly threw out that nineteen percent number, and obviously, when we test that, you know, yeah. we're going to find out for sure if that's really true or not. Um, and while I suspect that's probably you know a best case scenario, it's probably happens a fair amount. Um, but that's a pretty massive jump, and we've seen pretty consistent jumps with each generation of Ryzen. Um, I guess except for like Zen to Zen Plus, it wasn't huge there, but like Zen, you know, um, two versus Zen one or Zen Plus was pretty big. And then I think it was 14 or 15%. And then now we see this 20%, you know, when Intel's been, you know, shoveling two and 3% at us for, you know, like a decade, it's pretty damned impressive to go that much, to go well, up that much. Yeah, let's just hope we don't have to get Intel too. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, so once these launch, um, of course, we'll bring all of those reviews on out. Um, we'll uh, test them, test the product line from top to bottom and validate whether these uh, wonderful graphs are accurate or not and uh, and let you know if it's you know, worth your hard-earned hard -earned dollars. Now, the other thing that um, AMD launched, or not really launched, they started talking about they wanted to, you know, kind of throw a pool chair in uh, into the water. Uh, <laughs> you know, at the end of their Zen 3 launches, they they basically said that, hey, we built the RX 6000 series that, of course, they didn't name actual part numbers, but they said this is the most powerful GPU we've ever built, um, which... No kidding. Also known, yeah. it still doesn't beat NVIDIA. <laughs> Well, it, it, it's like, of course, it's the most powerful GPU you ever built. You you weren't setting out to make something worse than the 5700 XT, were you? I mean, well, yeah, really, yeah, well right. but that even wasn't the most powerful. I mean, the, the Radeon 7 was. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it's like, you know, if you managed to do worse than previously, what was the point of making the design? <laughs> right, right. Oops. Um, we should take that off the board. You know, I, I don't know. So I don't play the other two games, but Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. The problem is, is, you know... These numbers are kind of meaningless right now because every site tests Call of Duty's frame rates in a different spot or on a different map or whatever. So, I mean, I kind of looked around at kind of what other sites were getting. You know, I don't know. You can't conclude everything. People, 
you know, I hear people kind of jumping the gun saying, Hey, it's, you know, pretty close to 3080. And I don't know that it is. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, I'm expecting it'll sit somewhere between a 3070 and, and a 3080, um, probably closer to a 3070. But, and of course, as we all know, it's how they price it that's really going to determine how successful it is. Well, my, my, my stupid opinion on it is that their biggest thing to success, their biggest key to success here is having product. That's true. If, if they, you know, they drop it out and even if it's 10% or maybe even 15% behind a 3080, yeah, it's still buy. above 2080 Ti performance. Yeah. If they get a card that can beat a 2080 Ti, and you can buy them, you know you can yeah. actually go to Best Buy's website, hit Add to Cart, and the damn thing will let you have it. You know, there might be a lot of people that'll buy them. I mean, I mean, honestly, you know, for you know, if I'm looking at something like that, and if I'm if I'm in that situation, you know, and the change is mm, I could get the upgrade or I can continue sitting on my thumbs and wait for Nvidia to get product out. Sorry, Nvidia just lost a sale to me because you know there's always something better coming. So I'm gonna go with what's the deal today that I can get. Yeah, you're way different from me on that because <laughs> <laughs> I want a 3090. I mean, you know, I used to buy Titans in pairs, so the 3090 for 1500 bucks is you know, it seems like a deal to me. So I'm like, yeah, I know it's only 15% better than a 3080, but damn it, I want it. Yeah, but I, I hate to say it, I think there's probably more people who uh, budget the way I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm I'm sure. Right. So so you know, I guess whether it ends up being um, between, because like, I've seen rumors all over the place. I've seen um, won't beat a 3070. I've seen will be between, you know, will match a 3070. I've seen will end up in between a 3070, 3080. I've seen a meeting a 3080, and I've seen beating a 3080. So I've kind of seen all of those different things. Um, I've also seen, you know, I guess memory rumors. It's going to have 16 gigs. It seems to be the consensus with maybe lower models having 12. Um, yeah. So, and I want. I was going to touch on that because. You know, obviously we don't know where it's going to fit in performance because, I mean, there's been people out there shouting that it's going to, you know, match a 3090. I, I seriously doubt that. But, you know, for the sake of argument, let's say that it does slot somewhere close to a 3080. If it's got more memory and they price it right, yeah, I mean, that could be a really good option because there are some concerns that, you know, 3080 with with uh you know, 10 gig of RAM is, is fine today, but if you keep your card for three or, you know, three years or more, you might run into a problem, you know, especially if you're, you know, already beyond 1080p. So, you know, a card like that could have greater longevity, um, but it's got to be priced right. And, you know, it's got to, you know, compete well with either a 3070 or a 3080 for that uh, extra memory to mean anything. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. I'll give you a prediction you can take to the bank. It's going to beat a 9700 Pro finally. No. <laughs> I thought the 9800 Pro took care of that. Oh, 
Well, I guess that's yeah. a few years ago now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they kind of took care of, you know, just the next generation kind of handled that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, the other interesting corollary, though, is this is going to be some very similar technology to what's going into all the consoles. Like the next-gen consoles are effectively getting, uh, you know, 10, 10 to 12 gigs of VRAM plus the rest of the balance for system RAM. Um you know, baked in there with similar big Navi cores, um, and they're going to be running that. So at the end of the day, you know, there, I guess PC and console, we be, will be back kind of on even foot at that $500 price point-ish. Yeah, and, and that's one of those things that really, you know, that was brilliant from uh, Lisa Sue's predecessor was the getting into the SOC business for that because they really got themselves, you know, Diversified in their in their uh, uh, revenue streams. There, well, and you think about it. That's the only they, way they, they purchase this stuff the... around like that. They can really get themselves out of a hole when they're so much smaller than Intel. And so, you know, they are actually in a much in a much more interesting driver's seat, really, for what games are going to do. Because when AMD is designing most all the SOCs, are going into your gaming consoles, and developers are looking at developing a game. They're looking at what you know those SOCs are going to do. So. You know, in reality, even though this card may not be better than a 3080, the thing is, it's going to work fabulously for the most of the games coming out over the next couple of years. Well, and and they were really good to push, or Lisa in the presentation pushed that it was, you know, a, a great card for 4K gaming, which up until now has really been solely NVIDIA's domain. Um, not that I would say the 2080 Ti was perfect at it, because you know I did it, and there are some games that you know even hitting 60 FPS with like all the eye candy was was a pretty tall order, and it didn't quite always do it. The fact that that they now have a 4K card, um, you know, at least that's you know that's something. So if they if they price it right, you know, you know it could really be it could be one of their more successful Radeon products, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Right. And they should have hopefully a line, you know, kind of a full line, you know, not just, you know, the kingpin that's going to do battle at the top end, but um, bring that value on down through the bottom of the line as well. Um, I think that'll certainly help because if you have the Halo product up there, you got to have at other price points, you know, take it down a step. Okay, well, if I save a hundred bucks, can I drop down a step and still get a good experience out of it? Yeah. Kind of the other thing, though, that. They've had they've had trouble kind of hitting that sort of halo like they've never been able to really or I wouldn't say never they have had a hard time doing battle with Nvidia on the top end of the scale and then um, somebody brought up a point on our forums about this but where AMD really lags is not so much on the hardware side I mean that has been an issue but they don't have anything like DLSS they don't have ray tracing at least not so far. We may see that some of that stuff out of the 6000 series, but there's a lot of things on the software side that, you know, they just don't have an answer for. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, if, if any response AMD has to some of that stuff. You know, let's hope they keep, you know, concentrate on fixing some of those things. I mean, you know, with the rumors about them, you know, acquiring Xilinx now, hopefully they don't start wandering off in too many different directions. I'm surprised they had $30 billion in their back pocket. Yeah, that's kind of. I was yeah. What sh what couch cushion did they shake? And why didn't they shake that a while back? Right. Well, what I mean. was funny is until Ryzen came out, you know, and I'd watched this over the years. You know, haven't been in the industry so long, but 
Um, AMD has always impressed me with its ability to operate despite not making any actual money. <laughs> you know, no, no. The fact that, they, yeah, no, that was always the great joke back in the Jerry Sanders days was how do you lose money? At, you know, go to study for under him, figure out how you can lose money every single year and still be in business. Yeah, it, it was impressive. And of course, you know, uh, with, you know, the launch of, you know, the, the original Ryzen, you know, 1000 series, you know, they started to really turn around and, you know, of course, getting all the, the SSCs and the consoles and everything's been huge for them. So, uh, I mean, I don't ever really look at the financial side a whole lot, but, you know, they're obviously in a much better place than they were, you know, back in the bulldozer days. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> all right. So um, I think we kind of hit all of the top news articles um, that were floating around, I think uh, might be uh, maybe kind of close it out, maybe around the horn on the what's on your test bench now, um, just to kind of give our, our listeners or viewers, you know, kind of a, a feel for, you know, what do we have in the pipeline? Because I mean, running this thing, we got um, a month worth of content planned in advance and various things that people are working on. I think Paul, you wanted to talk about this power supply. Don't you have, that's the box that you got hanging out back there behind you, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, let me see. You can flip my. If you flip my, you can flip my screen on. You can see it up here. Uh, but, um, I don't know how to hit that button. But <laughs> okay, well, just, you can't get a screenshot. Sorry. No. So yeah, Silverstone. Um, they had they had a nice uh, release video they ran out on YouTube a couple uh, about a week ago. Um, you know, showing a bunch of their new products, and among them they've got the uh, Silverstone uh, DA1650, which is a 1650 watt power supply. Uh, of course, you know, we all, that always gets in the argument about do you actually need one that big? We're going to skip that argument. Uh, what's really interesting yes. is, <laughs> again, you know, why not? Um, the thing about this that's really interesting is Silverstone has always had this really interesting niche where they just do interesting things. They march to their own drummer, you know, uh, and one of the things they've been doing over the last few years is they have ATX 12-volt power supplies but in the ATX uh, uh, specification, there is no length of the power supply that's in there. And so there's certain form factors that you get based on how big your fan, your overhead fan is since we've gone to overhead fans. Um, and to get a 1600 watt power supply, they're usually fairly large. Silverstone's got this great image up there of 220 millimeters deep. Some are larger. But this DA1650 is only 180 millimeters long. This thing is not going to require massive cases to fit it in and it's fully modular uh you know it's you know really sort of that odd thing that they do and it's great just because silverstone just does it different i mean you know you see so many things in the same black box coming through that when you open up something like this and it's different it's great and it's got this on the test bench actually finished it um that review will be up sometime shortly uh, when it comes up in the rotation. Uh, but the other part, which I don't think we have up here because they haven't let, released the actual press on this. It was just teased in that video that I want to mention also, is Silverstone has an SFXL power supply coming out that's now going to be a 1,000 watt unit. So, so, so if a, just to, so for people that may not know what the SFX is, is that that's a super freaking extreme power supply or it's extremely small power supply. SFX power supplies are tiny 
And that's what you use in a lot of your ITX-based uh, form factor systems and things like that. The SFXL is a little modification to the SFX standard that gives them a little more length, usually so they can fit a 92-millimeter fan on them. Uh, but some of them still come with 80-millimeter fans. Uh, but that particular 1,000 watts in about 100-some-odd-millimeter-long package is going to be just – I mean, it comes down to the thing – you know, if you've got a, a, a system this small, do you really need a thousand watts? And you may not, but again, it goes back to the fact that they can do it. You know, it's really great that you can see them get this kind of power density because this can translate to other, you know, what you learn doing this can translate to other projects. And uh, it's great to see Silverstone still pushing those sort of interesting aspects and angles on products. So uh, two things I'm looking forward to. The 1650 already got in and uh, already tested it. And uh, I'm looking forward to that uh, SFX L that's a thousand watt coming in. Do I need a 1650 watt PSU? It's 108 millimeters long. Well, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, and think, and you know, uh, we were talking about this before we got started here. You know, about the uh, interesting part about that um, is when you pull these out, a lot of these are smaller than you'd think these days. Uh, but Silverstone really pushes it to an extreme, and it's really cool to see them doing it. Right. All right. So, um, uh, you don't want to give, up, give away too much. We're going to make you talk about this again once the review publishes. So um, <laughs> should, should be good stuff. Um, I guess, Leroy, you've got um, you, you've got at least a couple of cases um, that are on the hopper. So Actually, um, I got a bunch of cases sitting over here. I got a that Corsair 4000D that I'm working on right now should be done hopefully by Monday. Um, I'm once I get done with this, I'm going to go look at all the pictures I just took before I got on here, and um, it should be good to go. Is it all uh, it's cracked up to be? Is it what? Is it all that it's cracked up to be? It is It is definitely shattering. All right. Fantastic. And then, uh, Dan, I know uh, you got another review on the in the pipe. Is it a Z470 setup? Uh, Z490. Um, okay. It's the... Uh, it's the uh, Asus uh, ROG Maximus. I think it's 12 Extreme now is what they're up to. So, yeah, I've got that on the bench. Um, that's one of their – it's probably just about their most expensive kind of mainstream board, I think, or pretty close to it. Um, so, yeah, I've been testing that. Um, I'm overclocking it right now, so I should have all the rest of the benchmark testing done here, hopefully tonight. Um so that's gone pretty well so far. I haven't had any major issues with that. Um, then after that, I've got, uh, I think I've got one more X570 to review. Mm -hmm. The A Pro or something, the MSI. Yeah, there's an MSI um, X570 A Pro in the backlog as well. And, um, and then I've got, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the Silverstone AR01 V3, which is in the Tough Gaming Alliance. So it fits the look and feel of uh, all the other tough stuff. It's kind of like that army, um, you know, kind of yellow and black sort of theme. So I've got that up. And then after that, I ordered up a Cooler Master Master Liquid ML360R um, to throw on the... Um, the 10980 that I've got over there <laughs> um, to see what happens with that. So I've got that in my queue. Um, and there's plenty of other stuff that, I mean, the folks that weren't able to join us tonight, they've got some other things in the hopper as well, but we'll keep that mysterious um, for that. 
Um, so I guess kind of final points, um, you know, we kind of went through the gigabyte review Dan did. We hit some news. We talked to AMD's announcement and um, talked about what we're coming up next. So um, anyhow, you guys have final points to close it out or is this going to wrap us up for this time? Yeah, I think we're gold. I think we're good. All right, so we can call this gold like cyberpunk and ship it. And um, <laughs> then in the back end, we'll start working on our day one patch for when it actually releases and uh, <laughs> ship that next week. All right, thanks everyone for, uh, for um, yeah, listening. Tuning watching, in. Tuning in.